So now we begin the portion of John's gospel that will highlight the trial, and actually it is trials, there, there are more than one, of Jesus. He has been arrested. Now the charges will be produced. The punishment will be determined, and then the penalty will be carried out. Now be sure this is the strangest of trials. I will say tonight, I believe no stranger trial has ever taken place. In this court, the truth will go on trial. The righteous judge will be accused and the guilty will determine the verdict. In this court, the sinless will be punished and the perpetrators will be pardoned. In this court, a criminal will be released, no credible witnesses will be produced, and a murder will be committed. In this court, injustice will reign out, false testimony will be received, and the galley will not be held in contempt. Yes, it is the strangest of trials. Not only that, it is a sham of a trial. It is a mockery of a trial. And most strange, though it is never appealed, it is overturned. Though it is never reviewed, the punishment literally is reversed. Death becomes life. And most astounding tonight in this trial, the one that is falsely accused, the one that has shown no grace, stands in the end offering grace to all. Tonight our message is entitled, a lamb in a kangaroo court. A lamb in a kangaroo court. Tonight we're in John chapter 18, verses 12 through 24. John chapter 18, tonight verses 12 through 24. A lamb in a kangaroo court. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 12, God's word says this. So the Roman cohort, and the commander and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him and led him to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now Caiaphas was the one who advised the Jews that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so was another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Then the slave girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold, and they were warming themselves. And Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. And I spoke nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus saying, 
Is that the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? So Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight and again, we're thankful for you. We praise you tonight. We worship you tonight. Lord, we come and tonight as we read these words, we see just a glimpse of the sacrifice you make for us. We see just a glimpse of the, the great love that motivate, motivated that sacrifice. Lord, we come and, and tonight we praise you, we worship you, we thank you, we do exalt you. Lord, I pray that tonight in the, in the hearing of these words and the, the study of these words that you would speak. I know this is your word. These are your words, your voice. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, to our minds. And I pray, Lord, that we will be greatly impacted, so much so that we could not forget the truth learned of this night. Lord, I pray for some that are listening and maybe many that do not know you. I pray in the hearing of such love, in the hearing of such a sacrifice made in the stead of sinners, I pray that tonight there will be many that would turn and trust you in, in faith. Lord, we come and we just lay, out this, lay it out before you and tell you we love you, we praise you, we thank you, we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. An appeal is a legal process to ask for a higher court to evaluate or to judge a decision made by a lower court. In an appeal, there is no jury. There are no witnesses. There is just a review of the facts. Well, tonight we are going to move through our verses, our facts, seeing all the falsehoods that influence this case. And that's what we're going to see in our verses tonight. Tonight you can pretend that you're Matlock. Let's look at our verses. And, and as we do tonight, the first thing we're going to see is a false arrest. A false arrest. Let's begin by looking at verse 12. So the Roman cohort and the commander and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. Now the Bible says here the Roman cohort, the Roman soldiers, 600 of them, dispatched from Jerusalem. And it says for the very first time, and the commander. Understand that is a big deal. The commander is also with them. That is a big deal. It says the officers of the Jews, the temple police, arrested Jesus and bound him. Now, traditionally, the, the person would have had their hands either tied or chained behind their back. Now, see this tonight. All the way through tonight, the Romans and the Jews, especially the Jews, were big on procedure. They were big on rules. They were big on laws. Both of them were. They had their procedures, but especially the Jews. Well, understand tonight, for Jesus, no charges are made. No warrant is issued. No crime has been stated. And yet Jesus here is bound with his hands behind his back, and he is arrested. Over 600 people came for this arrest. And so understand, first off tonight, 
It is a false arrest. It is a false arrest. The second thing we see tonight in our account is a false priest. A false priest. Look at verse 13. And led him to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now, there's a lot going on in the 13th verse. Let me explain it to you. First, the Roman soldiers led him to the Jewish leaders. Now, see that. The, the Roman soldiers, this cohort, they lead Jesus to the Jewish leaders. Now, understand, this was not a Roman arrest. If it were, they would have gone to a Roman jail. If it were, they would have gone to a Roman court. No, this is not a Roman arrest. No, it is done as a favor for the Jews. It is done under the pressure of the Jewish leadership. So it is not a Roman arrest. It is a Jewish arrest. Second thing, see this. Remember, we talked about this earlier. The Jews had a high priest. They had one high priest. That high priest served in that office for life. Well, the Romans had interfered. Seeing how much power he had, the high priest, they had Annas step down, and they appointed his son-in-law, Caiaphas, as high priest. Now, that wasn't the Jewish uh, tradition. That wasn't Jewish doing. That was what the Romans did. However, the Jews still recognized Annas as the most powerful Jew in the land. Caiaphas may be the high priest. The Romans had appointed him, but they still see Annas as the most powerful Jew in all of the land. And so the first stop, now it's very telling, is at the courtyard of Annas. I imagine he was waiting for them there. Now here's the deal with Annas. Annas had used his position to profit himself. He is the high priest. He had used his position to profit himself. He had used it to make himself powerful. In fact, so powerful that the Romans took notice and were scared of him. And he used his position to make himself very rich. In Jeremiah chapter 23, it tells of a time that the Bible says the priests and the prophets would be polluted. That word means they have become dirty. They have become corrupt. Historians tell us Annas took a cut of all the money exchanging taking place at the temple. All the money exchanging taking place for the temple tax, he got a percentage of all of that. They also tell us he took a cut of all the animals sold for a sacrifice. And so if you traveled there and you needed an animal, you would secure one, you would buy one there. He got a percentage of all the animals sold. Not only this, he would instruct his priests to reject some of their sacrifices so they would have to go buy another one and he would take a cut of that. He took a cut of all the animals sold. Not only that, he rented booth space in the temple courtyard. Listen to this. He even sold concessions on the temple grounds. Historians say that the temple courtyard at this time was called Annas Bazaar. Annas 
market. He was wealthy. He was becoming even more so. Understand tonight, instead of standing in honor of God, he used God to honor himself. Instead of carrying the burden of the people to God, what he should have been doing as a priest, he placed a burden on the people in the name of God. Instead of praying for the people, his role, he prayed on the people. And Annas was a false priest. He is a false priest. Understand tonight, this false priest is about to stand in judgment of Jesus. The second thing we see in this trial is a false priest. The third thing we see tonight is a false verdict. A false verdict. Listen to verse 14. Now Caiaphas was the one who advised the Jews that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the people. Now Caiaphas is acting as high priest. He will get to actually make the final declaration, the final decision on Jesus. Really, it's going to be a rubber stamp. Annas is going to decide it, but he is acting as high priest. Well, notice here, he is the one that will render the final verdict for Jesus. Well, John reminds us, Caiaphas has already said, John chapter 11, verse 50, that it was best, that it was expedient for one man to die in order to save the people. Now, remember that. What he meant was it was better for Jesus to die and to end this movement than it was to allow him to live and mess up the arrangement that they had with Rome. And so understand tonight, before anything has even said, we already have the verdict. Before anything was weighed out, before anything is decided, he has already declared Jesus would die. It was already decided. It was a false verdict. See this, it was a false verdict but it was also a true statement. Jesus dies on behalf of us. Now, Caiaphas doesn't understand that. He doesn't know what he's saying, but praise the Lord, it is true. Jesus dies on our behalf. Next thing we're going to see tonight is a false pretense. A false pretense. All right, let's go to verse 15. Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so was another disciple. Now, that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. Now, understand here in verse 15, these verses, the other disciple is John. The other disciple, some folks debate that, but the other disciple is our author, John. He never names himself. Notice this all the way through the account. He never names himself. But let me ask you, how would he know what happens inside the courtyard if he himself were not in the courtyard? Well, the Bible says John, this other disciple, somehow knew the high priest. Now, a Jewish source, not the Bible, says that he sold them fish for his father. His father, his father ran a, a fishing business and that they had sold fish to the household of the high priest. That's how he knew him. That's what the Jewish historians say. So he knows the high priest, whatever reason he knows him, he knows him. 
And he goes in with Jesus. I think it's interesting here. The other disciples have scattered. From the event of the arrest, they've gone, the Bible says, all back to their own places. They've gone into hiding. But Peter and John have followed. But I want you to see this. However, they haven't walked with Jesus. They haven't stood with Jesus. No, they have mixed into the crowd, and they have followed behind Jesus. So we find these two disciples. The rest have scattered, and they are following meekly behind Jesus. Verse 16. But Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Now, Peter can't get in. John uses evidently his position. He goes and talks to the doorkeeper, and she lets Peter in. Verse 17. Then the slave girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Let me read verse 17 again. Then the slave girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of the man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Notice it says there, also. It very well could mean that John was known to be a disciple. And when I look at it and I I, I look into it, that's my best understanding. He was from Galilee. He brought fish and sold it to him from Galilee. He knew Jesus was from there. And so I think it, it was probably known that John was a disciple. And so he says, she says, so you're not also a disciple. You're not also one of his disciples, are you? In the Greek, the question allowed for a negative answer. She says, you are not also one of the disciples, are you? It allowed for a negative answer. In fact, it actually begged for a negative answer. Now, she knew that he was, or she wouldn't have asked him, but she gives him an out. You are not also a disciple, are you? And he says here emphatically, he says here, Plainly, he says here resolutely, I am not. Are you a disciple? Are you with him? I am not. Verse 18. Now the slaves and the officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire. For it was cold and they were warming themselves. And Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. At this point, the soldiers had left. They had gone back to their Roman barracks. The slaves are still there, the servants of the Jewish leaders, and the temple police. They are there in the courtyard. It is late at night. It is cold. And they had made, the Bible says, a charcoal fire. It literally means a heap of burning coals. There was a heap of burning coals. They are there by this, warming themselves. And there in the midst of them, having denied following Jesus in false pretense, there is found Peter, Jesus' friend. 
Jesus' close friend, acting like he doesn't even know him, standing there in the dark of the night, standing there in the cold of the night, trying to fold somehow into the crowd. His friend acts like he doesn't even know him. Verse 19. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Now, most likely, he is trying to get him to say or to claim to be the Messiah. He is asking him, are you a rabbi and then therefore these are your disciples or are you the Messiah and so all of these are your disciples? And so we see here in verse 19, Annas questions Jesus. It's at this point we now have a false trial, a false trial. We've already had a false verdict. Now we have a false trial trial. You see, according to the Jewish law, according to the Jewish rules, according to the Jewish procedure, the judge was not to ask questions. Witnesses were brought in. It took at least two witnesses to be counted, and the witnesses would make the case. The witnesses would proclaim their testimony. Then other witnesses would be brought in, and they would present their testimony. The judge, the priest, was not to ask questions. Well, notice here, there are no witnesses, and Annas is asking the questions. This is not how it works. It is a false trial. Let's move on. Verses 20. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. And I spoke nothing in secret. Verse 21, why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I said. Jesus responds here in these two verses, don't ask me. He really says, where are your witnesses? Don't ask me, where are your witnesses? I have talked openly. I have talked to many. I have talked to multitudes. Ask them what I have said. He actually says, where are your witnesses? Where are your witnesses? Jesus points out they're breaking their own laws. Bring the witnesses. Present the witnesses. I want to point out something right here. The message of the gospel of Jesus is open for all, is available for all. There are no secret parts. There is no secret knowledge. You hear, listen to what I'm saying. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is open for all. It is available for all. There are no cloaked keepers of the truth. In the church, we are only declares of the truth. A light that shines cannot be hidden. We do not have a secret gospel. That's just a bonus. All right, moving to verse 22. When he had said this, one of the officers standing nearby struck Jesus saying, is that the way you answer the high priest? Now in verse 22, we have a false punishment. A false punishment. In the Jewish law, according to the Jewish procedure, they were very careful to protect the innocent. They were very careful to guard the accused 
until there was a fair trial. They had pride in the fact that they would give them a fair trial and they would protect them until they had a fair trial. Again, they were very serious about the procedure. Well, in that thought, in that understanding, it was illegal to strike or to hit or to abuse a person until they were convicted. It was illegal to strike or abuse a person until they were convicted. They were not to do it. This guard of the false high priest here in this false trial now strikes Jesus. Here in verse 22, the word strike translates in the original language with a hand or fist or open slap. It was the most insulting thing they could have done. It translates with a hand, with a fist, or with an open slap. Verse 23, Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? Verse 23, Jesus says to him, So are you a witness? We've seen no witnesses tonight. So if I've done something wrong, testify. Are you a witness? You be a witness. But if nothing wrong, why do you strike me? In his response, he points out two laws they are breaking. Again, there are no witnesses, and he has hit a man that is not declared guilty. See this. The Greek word for strike in verse 22 is a blow from the hand. The Greek word spoken by Jesus in verse 23 for strike means to tear or peel away the flesh to cause to bleed. And so this blow has caused Jesus to start to bleed. Jesus stands in the darkness. Jesus stands in this courtyard. Jesus is bleeding. Earlier in the gospel, it says he came into his own and his own received him not. Friends, these were his people. These were Jews. And Jesus is bleeding. The lamb has started to bleed. It has started. Verse 24. So Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. So Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Not lost in all this falseness, not lost in this sham of a trial, carried out under this lamplight, not lost is Jesus. There stands Jesus. Can you see him? He's calm. No outcome on this night will surprise him. He knows how it's going to go. There stands Jesus. He is confident. No sin will be charged to him that would stick tonight. No, no sin will be laid against his name. Not this night. There stands Jesus. There stands Jesus. He is resolute. He has moved forth to this place. They didn't capture him and bring him here. He brought himself here. Here is Jesus. Can you see him? He stands resolute. And there stands Jesus bound. I want you to listen. Listen. 
Genesis chapter 22. Listen to this, starting in verse 6. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Verse 9. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built the altar and there arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. God will provide for himself the lamb, my son. The lamb is bound. Can you see him tonight? There stands Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come tonight. And we come in great humility. We come as, as the guilty party. We come as the sin-stained rebels. We come as the one that for, for us that you go to the cross. And we see you and we see you in confidence. We see you resolute. But we also see the king of glory and his hands are bound. Our lamb. Lord, we're thankful for your sacrifice. We're thankful for your love that motivated it. Lord, we're thankful that through this event, the righteous judge would come and give to us his own perfect righteousness. Lord, we praise you for this day that we read about. We're thankful for this day. Lord, we tell you with heavy hearts, we're sorry for this day. Lord, we come and we, we see again your love and your sacrifice made for us. We praise you for it. We praise you in it. Lord, I pray that tonight we have been changed in seeing this and in hearing this. I pray that our love for you is, is grown deeper tonight. I pray, Lord, that we would stand resolute in seeing that love, that sacrifice. And Lord, I pray the greatest thing that would happen tonight is that someone would see that same love and that same sacrifice and they would turn to you and they would trust you in faith tonight and be saved. Bible says there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. We know our lamb shed his blood that we would be forgiven. We praise you for that. I pray, Lord, that somebody hearing tonight receives your grace, your sacrifice, receives salvation by faith in you. Lord, we come and again, we just take this and we tell you we love you. The best we know how, we, we exalt you in it. We praise you. And we ask at this time, Lord, that you would work, that you would move. I pray all this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close tonight with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to give you a chance to respond to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, he does this for you. He does this for me. He goes to the cross and he pays for our sin. He doesn't have to. He's never sinned. He does it in love. He does it in grace and kindness for us. The Bible says this, we have sinned. We've earned our punishment. That's what he's paying. The Bible says this, if we'll trust him, if we will turn to him, 
If we'll claim him as the Savior for our sin, we shall be saved. My encouragement tonight is this. Trust Jesus tonight. Call upon Jesus tonight. He'll save you tonight. No, no list of things to do, no checklist, no baptism, no church member, membership. In the grace of God, by faith in Jesus, trust him tonight. He'll save you tonight. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never fought in believer's baptism. What an awesome time to come and say, you know what? I see my Savior and I love my Savior. And in obedience to that Savior, I want to be baptized, testifying to what I believe of Christ. Always after the point that we're saved, never before it, never part of it. Maybe that's you tonight. You come as well. Maybe tonight you're looking for a church home and you prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve his cause. We'll uphold his word until he comes again. Maybe tonight you want to come and pray at an altar thanking him, praising him, worshiping him. Maybe you want to come and pray with me. Maybe you're dealing with something uh, totally different. Maybe you just want to come and pray at an altar, pray with me. I want to ask that no one would stir about, no one would head for an exit, that you'd pray for those that are making decisions. As we stand and sing, if you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here.